where we're going to spend the majority of our time is in this book of Proverbs. Over these next several weeks, we are going to uh, be staying right in this book and the book following the book of Proverbs, both of which were written by the man Solomon. When I think of Solomon, my mind goes to the uh, goes to what he is known as, which uh, which is the wisest man to ever live. The wisest man to ever live. That's what the Bible calls him. That's, or that's what the Bible uh, says about Solomon. He was the the or third king of Israel, the son of David, and and we get this book, this book of Proverbs, and the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, also the book of Song of Solomon. All of these being books that are written by King Solomon. But I want to go here right to the beginning of, uh, right towards the beginning of Proverbs in chapter 2. We're just going to read this passage here, verses 1 through 7. Almost there myself. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. As Solomon writes this, he he writes unto his son, and, and he says in this, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest, for her as for hid treasures. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. What we're going to be focusing on in this the study of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes is this idea of wisdom and choosing wisdom. Not our own wisdom, but the wisdom that comes from God. The wisdom that is where real wisdom comes from. The wisdom of God trumps our wisdom. It trumps the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of God is what Solomon is, is saying we ought to seek after. This is something that we ought to value. In fact, today we're going to uh, look at the worth of wisdom. What is wisdom worth? Before, we, uh, before I really dive into this, there, there is a video, that uh, just a short video that I want to show that does, uh, that does highlight this book of Proverbs and how it speaks on this subject of wisdom. So I'm just going to step away here for a moment, focus your attention to the screen. There are three books in the Bible that have come to be called the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And all of these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? So how to be good at life? Yeah. So each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective, and it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as a person. 
So Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes is the sharp middle-aged critic, and Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day. We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights, things you wouldn't see on your own. Yeah, she would be the perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice. So what makes her so smart? Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah. And it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And chokmah has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into chokmah. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against chokmah. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them. But the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape it. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman. Yeah, Lady Wisdom. Right, and she roams around the earth calling out, making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others. You can create with it like a designer. Yes, in fact, chokmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasonry. So you show you possess chokmah when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. Okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one more really important thing to consider. Chokmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Now, all those ideas you just unpacked are in chapters 1 through 9 in Proverbs. But when I think of the book of Proverbs, I think of the collection of sayings, the Proverbs themselves. Tell me about those. Yeah, those are what you find in chapters 10 on to the end of the book. It's a collection of hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs about any and all aspects of life. And chokmah gets applied to them, resulting in this wise guidance to help you find a path towards success in no matter what you do. If I design my life with these sayings, life is going to be good. Yeah, or as Proverbs puts it, it'll give health to your bones, prosperity, a long, rich life. Which is a really big claim. But you can see how it's often the case. Wise people, they tend to do better. Things usually work out well for them in life. And so that is the promise and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is really beautiful. But if we take a step back, some people would argue it's a little too simplistic. Because sometimes horrible things happen to really wise people, and sometimes foolish people get rewarded. It doesn't always work the way we think it should work. That's right. Which is why we need to go and listen to our next wise friend, Ecclesiastes the Critic. Because he's wrestled with that. That summary is, is one that 
lays a foundation for what is wisdom. And, and for me, it was able to bring out this uh, very uh, good understanding of, of what the book of Proverbs is trying to tell us. That wisdom itself, it comes from God. It's an attribute of God. That it's personified. Throughout the book of Proverbs, we see this, uh, this, this idea personified in a woman. And it, we even saw it in our reading here. It, it refers to wisdom as, as her several times in the, the, that passage that we opened up with. And it's this teacher that is teaching us it's of God's wisdom. And what is God's wisdom? What is uh, it able to do? It's able to, to guide us through life. It's able to bring us a good life. This What's wonderful about this, and we see this in the book of Proverbs, is that his wisdom is accessible. The wisdom of God, it's, it is free for us to enjoy. That God says, here is my wisdom and I want you to, to have it. I want you to be able to live by it. Now, in order to do that, as it so uh, acutely displayed in the video that we have to first come to a fear of God. And that is often where we lack. It's coming to a true fear of God and understanding that God, He is He's always right. That when things don't make sense, when we are in prayer, and, and we we are asking God, you know, why am I going through this situation, or what's happening here, and 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 God says, I, I, I'm allowing you to stay in this situation. We say that doesn't make sense. We have to understand that God is the wise one, that God has wisdom, that there's a reason, and He doesn't always divulge all of the reasons behind it, but we understand that God, He is. The one, the source of all wisdom. Now, as it said, as it was wrapping up the video, sometimes this book of Proverbs, uh, we, we can read through these, especially the, the back end of the book, and read these Proverbs, and you say, well, that's not always the case. It's not always the case that the wise one ends up on top, or that the one who is uh, doing things the right way ends up on top, whereas the fool ends up you know, tripping up and... And that, that's not always the case. And while that may not always be the case when you zoom in on specific things in the end, the wise will come out on top. When we look at eternity, the one who fears the Lord will inherit eternal life. And we will uh, get into this book of Ecclesiastes, which is... A very different approach to wisdom. It's a, it's a really, a, a, a somewhat of a carnal approach, an approach that comes from a man who has lived life and he looks at life and he says, life is just meaningless. But then the question comes, is it really? Is life really meaningless? And We'll see at the conclusion of that book that one day, God, He will restore human life and make all things right. That God, He is a good God. 
that life itself, it may seem like it's random. Like life itself may seem as though things just happen, bad things happen to good people, good things happen to bad people. But in the end, what we recognize is that God is truly always going to make things right. He's a just God. Now that issue of justice really comes into question when we consider the third book of wisdom. This book of Job. We're not going to really dive into this this book much, uh, really at all in this series, but this is uh, considered one of the books of wisdom literature in, in our scriptural text. And we see this book of Job, which really is such a question of, is God a just God? We have an innocent man, Job, who has to endure some really awful things. And we realize that bad things do happen to good people. That just because we are choosing wisdom or chasing after wisdom doesn't always mean that everything in life is going to turn out peachy. The bad things, they happen to good people. But at the end of Job, if you've read that book, it's a dialogue between Job and God and Job and his friends and his friends, uh, their dialogue and their uh, diagnosis of what's going on in his life and and all of this. But then that by the end of the book, finally, God has a conversation with Job and and he says to Job, you think you have this all figured out. The reality is I'm the one who spoke and the world came into existence. I'm the one who created everything, all the beauty that you look around and that you see. And God says, I'm the one who is really making everything in the universe work. And we see this great big God. And it seems as though this great big God, why would he care about us? But he does. This God who created the universe He still cares about little old me. God, he still cares about our problems and our issues. And we see a God who is just, a God who, yes, bad things will happen to good people. But we see that when uh, that God is always in control and that God, he does care for his people. And so uh, we see this, this uh, really this, this wisdom is. The wisdom of God is something that uh, sometimes is, is, is hard to get a grasp of. It's, it's hard to, to truly understand. You know, is, is, is the wisdom of God meaning that uh, as soon as I understand what, uh, you know, the teachings of God, as soon as I understand the, uh, the principles of God, that all of a sudden everything is going to turn out right in my life. And, and you would seem, it seems like that would be the case. And... It's not necessarily that easy. But if we could define it, I'm going to skip over the Webster's definition that you have there in your notes and even the Strong's definition of the Hebrew and just go to Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 that says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when you can get that understanding and you can grab a hold of that then everything else, you say, God, it's in your hands. It's not about, 
It's not about me trying to figure out life and trying to order life in such a way that everything is always going to be okay, that everything is always going to, uh, going, going to work out perfectly how I want it to, because if that were the case, then really it's all about me. And pride begins to set in and, and what we really need to come to is a place where it says, Lord, you are the one who has everything in control. God, you are the one and I trust you through all things and I will follow your word. God, I will obey your word and I will live according to your word. And I'm going to trust you. See, wisdom, it's a capacity of the mind that allows us to understand that light, allows us to understand life from God's perspective. That's what wisdom really is. Now, as we dive into this this book of Proverbs and obtaining wisdom, we see in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Let's, let's go there. It says, that, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all of thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. See, God is the source of all wisdom. He says, uh, he says that we are to trust in the Lord with all thine hearts. Don't lean on your own understanding. Has anybody ever gotten a little uh, frustrated by spending time with the know-it-all? Somebody who they just they just know everything, and there's a certain capacity in all of us, really, that we think that we know a lot, and especially when it comes to life, and we've gone through life, and and when we come to a place of of not understanding why we are going through a certain thing or not understanding why things are happening the way that they are. And, and we turn to God and we say, why God? Why? And I don't think that it's, it's out of the, the question for us to, uh, to ask that of God to, to say why and, and to, to just to be real with God. I think that's okay for us to be real with God and to have those conversations with Him. But, uh, but, uh, you know, we can, we can, Try to list off all the things. God, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to fix this, this issue here and you need to fix this here. And, and what God will say is, just trust me. See, what prayer is really supposed to do is not to change God, but rather to align us to where God is at. That's what prayer is supposed to do. Now there's, there's times in scripture that we see that it, God, he says that he repented. We, in fact, uh, there, there was a time when Moses, he was leading the children of Israel and, and they were in the wilderness and God was getting angry and frustrated with the people of, of Israel in the, in the wilderness for all their bickering and complaining and just, just uh, all this wanting to go back to Egypt. And God said, I'm just going to wipe them all out. And Moses, he comes to God and he says, no, 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 kill me instead. And it says God repented of what he wanted to do. 
that God, he changed his mind. There, there's a prayer. There was uh, Moses intervening in a situation, and it's as though God changed course for what he did. But I believe that it was, God's, it was never God's will to really wipe out his people. See, prayer is, is such that, that we would come to a place where we say, God, I just want your will to be done. God, I want to understand it. God, I want to, I want to be, uh, I want to walk according to your wisdom. God, I want to walk according to your ways. See, prayer is the place where we come obtain, to obtain the wisdom of God. I want to continue on here in verse nine of that same chapter. It says to honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. See, following the wisdom of God, it will lead you to rewards. The wisdom of God. Now, let's take this, this one uh, in verse 9. What does it say? Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of all of thine increase. We see this. This principle uh, elsewhere in Scripture where it talks about bringing the tithe unto God. This isn't a, a lesson here this morning necessarily about tithing, but I'm going to dive into it here because he says to bring the first fruits of all of your increase to God. Does it make sense for us to give 10% back to God, to give 10% of our earnings to God? Does that make sense, especially... When you come into a place where thing, your finances are strained. Mentally, it doesn't make sense. I, I'm a, uh, I have a finance degree. I've uh, worked in finance for, um, for a while. And, and that's, you know, just for me, it, it doesn't make sense. And when things get strapped to continue to give a tithe back to God, to give the first fruits of your increase back to God. But the wisdom of God would say, especially in those times, give the first fruits of your increase to God. Especially in the times when things are getting tight, make sure that you're giving God what is His. Now, this doesn't make sense. In my mind, that doesn't make sense. But when you do that, what I've seen is that with an open hand, we give to God. And with an open hand, he's able to give back to you. He's able to provide. Now, it says in verse 10 that your barns will be full, filled with plenty. Your presses will burst out with new wine. Now, does it mean every time that you give God your finances, that you give God of, of those, those, uh, you, know, you, you obey Him in wisdom and does, uh, that you're blessed in financial ways? No, it doesn't always mean that. It doesn't always mean that you're going to uh, that, that every single time that the, the bills are going to be paid. But I've seen, I've seen it where God, He makes a way where it seems like there is no way. He'll allow us sometimes to go through some, uh, some tough times, but, but what I've, what I've seen far more often is the times when God, He's made a way and we've, we've, uh, had 
uh, financial struggles when we were first married and it, the bank account was was real low and there was nothing there and the school bill we were still in college and school bill was due and we didn't know what we were going to do because we had no money and all of a sudden the next day we wake up and there's a couple thousand dollars in our bank account from a, a grant that we had no idea was going to be coming in we had no idea where the money came from but God he made a way for the, for us being faithful to him this is the wisdom of God. This is following after God when, when he says to give of your first fruits, when he says to do this, this is just one of the, uh, the ways in which we see the wisdom of God. It supersedes the wisdom of man. Verse 11, it continues on. It says, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. See, often godly wisdom comes in conflict with our own wisdom. And the question then becomes, are you going to allow God's wisdom to correct you? Whose wisdom are you going to lean on in the times where you are in prayer and you feel God prompting you to do something that you are not comfortable doing because your wisdom tells you, I shouldn't do this. But the wisdom of God begins to speak. And he says, I know it doesn't make sense. Will you allow that wisdom of God to correct your path? To correct the decisions that you're making? Now, now this, uh, this all, I guess, depends on the fact that we pray. That's, I guess, the first and the most important thing is that we do pray. And we do seek the wisdom of God. That we do open up the word of God and we allow him to speak to us through his word. This is how we obtain wisdom. This is, this is where we get the wisdom of God. See, if we don't ever spend time in prayer, if we don't ever spend time in his word, then the only wisdom that we're going to have to go on is our own wisdom or the wisdom of this world. But the wisdom of God is that which will correct the things that we think are right. If we allow it to, it will lead us into all truth. And in First Peter chapter five, verse six, First Peter chapter five, verse six says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time." So we have to come in a in an attitude of humility in a posture of humility where we come before God and we say, God, here I am. And, and, and I, you may have, you may have all the degrees in the world. You may have all the letters after your name and, and yet you still need to humble yourself before God and see that God's wisdom will always supersede my wisdom. Now, God, he, he gives us common sense. He allows us to operate, uh, you know, through, through life and with common sense. But, but as you really have a relationship with God and you really spend time talking to him, there are times when even in our common sense, God will say, I want you to go and to do something different. We were just here last night in prayer and uh, we had our men's prayer meeting first uh, Saturday of the month and uh, Brother Stokely was was sharing a, a time when he uh, uh, woke up three o'clock in the morning and felt God telling him, "You need to, you need to go to work. 
He wasn't supposed to be to work until know, 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. And, and he, he felt God saying, I, you need to go right now. And, and he, he went and he told us last night, he said, I don't even know why. I have no idea what it was that God was trying to get me to do because nothing happened. I got to work. Nobody was there. I waited for work. Nothing happened. Did he miss it? I don't know. But he was listening to the voice of God. He was obeying the voice of God. If God was speaking to him. Now, he, he shared. He said, he said, I don't know. I, perhaps there was a drunk driver that was going to be at a stoplight. And I stopped him from running that stoplight. I don't know, you know, there could have been something that happened, but he said that wasn't the only time because there was another time after that and another time after that. And then this is when God began to intervene. And he, what he was doing was he was exercising this muscle of having faith in God that when God speaks to do something that was so crazy, so out of the ordinary, so against common sense. And he began to listen to that. And as he did that, all of a sudden, God did begin to lead him and place him right in the pathway where there was a visible evidence of why God was asking him to do something that was outside of what common sense would tell him. Outside of his own wisdom. But this is what it means to be led by the Spirit. This is what it means to be led by God. It was, I'll, I'll just share one of the stories uh, I know he's, Brother Stokely shared it before, but um, he was uh, on, on a prayer walk the one night uh, with uh, the church when he's attending in, in Elkhart. They're walking down uh, Elkhart and, and they, they began to, uh, to sing a song. He said they never sang a song when the men were together and, and uh, you know, praying and on the streets, on the sidewalks. And, and all of a sudden they just began to break out in song. And right as they did that, there was a man who came out of the liquor store and he began lifting up his hands and dancing all around and praising God because he, he and, and he threw down his, his bottle or set down his, his, his bag that, that he had just purchased there at the liquor store. And, and he said, this is the song. I was just asking God. I was just asking God to give me a sign. And this is is the very song that I love the most, this hymn that you're singing. And he began to come out and lift up his hands. And this man, he gave his life. He began to come to church. He was baptized in Jesus' name. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. It was just a couple of months after that that this man ended up dying of, of liver disease. Is that correct? He died of liver disease. But in the few months that he had left, God, he sent somebody in their path because they were listening to the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. This is the, what wisdom, godly wisdom will do. It will lead us down paths that we're not comfortable with. When you listen to that still, small voice. It'll take you down paths that you never intended to go. But there was a reason because the wisdom of God is leading you. See, the wisdom of God is... It's much more than just for our benefit. It's for much more than just the benefit of, of me and for me uh, having a good, easy life or, or for me just you know, being uh, financially blessed. Oh, from the very beginning, God, when he chose the people and he said, Abraham, it's through you that all the earth is going to be blessed. 
It's through you that all the people of the, the world are going to be blessed. This is the reason that God chose a people. This is the reason why God, he began to, to have a, a, an intimate relationship with, with mankind. He said, I, he says, there, there's so much, so much destruction, so much evil that's in the world. And I need somebody that will live according to my wisdom to show them that there is a better way. To show them that there is a way that is leaning on the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man. See, the true value of wisdom we see in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. It says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand there are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. All her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. And happy is every one that retaineth her. The true value of godly wisdom is that there is peace in your life. He says the paths that you will walk down will be paths of peace. Why is that? It's because there is peace when you can trust God, the creator of all things, the one who holds all things in his hand. When you fear him, when you trust him, there is peace in that. In fact, Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says that the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And this is where I want to get to in our New Testament. As we, as we come into the New Testament, we discover tr- that true wisdom can only be found through the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, worldly wisdom will not save us. That when you hear the words of Christ, you, you hear the words of God Almighty. And, and it, it tells us in 1 Corinthians as, uh, as Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthian church, this, this church that they were, they were educated. They were, they were people that, uh, you know, they had spent many years of their life following after worldly wisdom. And they'd now given their lives to Christ. They'd now given their lives to a, a new way, a new path. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 18, it says that let no man deceive himself, that if any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. If you think that the better way is to follow after the wisdom of this world, if you think that the wisdom of God is foolishness, he says it would be much better for you to Just become a fool in your own eyes because then you are wise in God's eyes. Stop pursuing the things of this world. Stop pursuing all of the wisdom of this world. And, 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 uh, I don't, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting a, a good education. I don't think there's anything wrong with pursuing a, uh, good education here in this world, but, uh, but the, uh, the universities are not going to teach you that which God, well, the things that are true wisdom about eternal life and things of eternal consequence, 
And when it comes to, and when it comes to the things, uh, the, the ideas that the universities espouse today, it is so messed up the, the, the thinking and the mindset of, of people t- t- today, today in such a way that we can't even decide on the very fundamental, uh, thing of, of gender identity. We, we can't even get to the very fundamental thing of who we were at, born as. The wisdom of this world can, can get us so messed up in our thinking. And they think they're wise. But in the end, they're fools. If we continue on there, it goes on in verse 19. It says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written that he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Verse 20. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. For therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. It continues on, or or, I guess it doesn't continue. If we go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 through 25, it says, We preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews, it's a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks, it's foolishness. It seems so simple that one man could die. That this man, Christ Jesus, who would be crucified. And that that would be the answer to all that we really need in this life. That one man, crucified. In fact, to them, when he says, he says, this is, this is a stumbling block for the Jews because they don't see how, uh, they don't believe that God would come down in the form of a man. That he would robe himself in flesh in the way that Jesus Christ was the uh, manifestation of God here on this earth. To the Greeks, this is foolishness because they have all of this multiplicity of gods that they serve. But yet there's only one God. Continue on, verse 24, it tells us that unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. See, it's quite a paradox that it was through weakness that Jesus achieved victory over sin and death. It's through the weakness of him going to a cross. What looked to them as one man who was not strong enough to to, uh, get himself off the cross, he through weakness died, but in that, he gained victory for us all. He gained victory for us all. This is a, a paradox in the mind of the, of the world of this, of that day, but he says it's through the weakness of, of Jesus Christ dying on that cross that we receive victory today and we uh, are able to overcome sin and we today are, are going to be, uh, able to partake in this, this resurrection of life one day. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is made unto us wisdom. That Christ himself is the beginning of a better life. That Jesus Christ, that, that, that better life, it begins with the wisdom of God. Pursuing the wisdom of God. Pursuing the voice of God. Allowing God to speak to us. This is, this is why uh, you hear me speak so often about being a disciple of Christ. That we are called to be disciples and to make disciples. 
But before we can ever make disciples, we must first be a disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means one who is listening to the voice of God, one who is allowing God to correct us, one who is who is being uh, who is putting ourselves in a position to be taught by God on a continuous basis, allowing the words of Jesus to come off the page and and not just reside here, but instead to reside in my heart and to change my heart. See, Jesus is the source of wisdom. The Holy Spirit that you have, that is the same Spirit which was in Christ Jesus. That Spirit, when you listen to it, when you submit yourself to the Spirit, when you submit yourself to walking according to the ways of God, then you're on the path of wisdom. That is when you put yourself on the path that says, God... I'm not interested in just pursuing the things that I think I ought to pursue. I'm not interested in just doing the things that I want to do that I think is going to give me a nice, comfortable life. But instead, I want to pursue all that you've called me to. See, today, Jesus is calling us to deepen our relationship with him. To deepen your relationship with him. To seek him out and and see a, a relationship, it goes beyond Jesus simply being your savior. I'm thankful that he was my savior, but I'm also thankful that he today is still redeeming me and he is a counselor unto me. And that is what it means to, to deepen our relationship with Christ and say, God, I need your counsel today. I need your word of wisdom. God, I need you to speak to me. See, walking with Jesus Christ, that is going to make you wiser than you could ever hope to be on your own. Amen. I, I know we have our Sunday school classes that are coming back in. But if you could, just as, as we wrap this up here today, here this morning, if you just, just lift up a hand, wherever you're at, you can stay in your seat. And just lift up a hand. And as you lift up a hand, you, we're acknowledging, God, I, uh, I may have a lot of stuff figured out, but I don't have everything figured out. And I, I may have a lot of things in life where uh, where I think I, I know what's right and I, I know which way to go and know what to do. But God, I want to acknowledge right now that you are in control. And God, when it you seem distant at times, God, when it seems as though my my life, God, is, is so, uh, there's so much distance between me and you. God, I recognize right now that you want to close that gap. You want to close that distance. When God is here right now and he's reaching for you, that wisdom of God, it's accessible. The wisdom of God, it's not so far out there that you can't get a hold of it. Listening to the voice of God, when you, when you hear that and you say, that seems so, that seems so distant, seems so foreign. Oh, God is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. Just open your mouth. Just begin to speak to me. Just open your, your mind and allow me to speak into you, your life. Just trust. Just trust that I am here. Trust my voice. Hear my voice. Oh, and he's here right now. And God wants to speak to you. I mean, would you just submit yourself to him right now? Just open up your mind. 